Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to The First Pencil with Kathy and Mike. My name is Mike the Car Guy, and with me today, as always, my best friend and wicked awesome car gal, friend of horses everywhere, author, social media whiz, you name it. She's amazing. Kathy Cruz. Once, once again, that is uh, nice of you to say, but uh, <laughs> but back at you, dude. You're, uh, uh, I think in the world of um, positive people online, you're at the top. Um, I'm, I'm not that positive. I'm going to go ahead and call myself out on it. Uh, <laughs> I'm very cynical and uh, maybe it's just too many years in the automotive industry. But... Don't, don't mistake my positivity for a lack of cynicism. You and I spent right. the same amount of time in the car business. I've been burned by everyone from pastors to nurses to exactly. you know to charity directors. Uh, I'm just as cynical as you are as far as dealing with people in general. I just try to keep a positive outlook. <laughs> I I try to too, but yours comes through very well. And yeah, it's, it's I think it's when people look you straight in the eye and lie their ass off to you. <laughs> it's like when that happens you know if the first few dozen times you're eventually just <laughs> you're yeah. not gonna you're gonna think twice about things and, my uh, favorite yeah. one not to digress but since yeah. we're talking about yeah. it uh i was running a chrysler store in riverside and this is at the height of the pt cruiser madness right when pt cruiser launched it was and we look at it now as like what a shit box but at the time <laughs> well, people were paying over for pts yes. I had a pastor from an L.A. church drive all the way out because we had one of the few limited uh, turbos in stock. And uh, he was he was using congregation money because the congregation paid for his vehicle and, and he wanted a PT Cruiser turbo. Mm -hmm. He was trading in a vehicle sight unseen. It was a Honda Prelude. Swore to me. I mean, when you say look me in the eye, looked me in the eye using all the authority of his pastor position and convinced me that this thing was showroom ready, that you could literally drive it into my showroom, put a for sale sign on it, and it would sell the next day because it was that clean. Mm -hmm. So being as it was offsite trade, sight and scene, taking him on his word, gave him what I felt was a very competitive he's a pastor. offer on it. Even if he wouldn't have been a pastor, just the fact that he was just so adamant in his you know, convincing me, selling me on this prelude. And like I always say, in any situation, when two people meet, one of them is a salesperson, one of them gets sold. And in this instance, I got sold, sent the salesperson with him to get the vehicle. And he almost didn't make it back. It ran so shitty. Rats had infested the vehicle, chewed up all the wiring. There was literally rat, you know, droppings inside the car. It was ready for the scrap heap, not the showroom. Mm -hmm. and we used to do these meetings called right from the start meetings where once a month we'd invite owners that had purchased the vehicle into the showroom we'd serve them you know um, appetizers and food and stuff and we'd go through like you know what to expect servicing your vehicle with the service manager would tell them you know these are the servicing it was just a nice little evening and we'd give out hats and t-shirts and stuff and it was really helpful with csi and and you know return customers and stuff well he showed up to that next oh, meeting he did with like six or seven people and they they took us down for the donuts and all the stuff that we had i mean plates you know piled high they they were not shy about getting all the the free stuff wanted you know hats and wanted everything and then 
proceeded to, in the middle of the thing, raise his hand and say, you know, I've, I've got something I need to share. The, the experience I had was, was terrible. And just telling everybody that, you know, we were, we were bad business people, that the deal he got, you know, because he paid over window sticker for this PT Cruiser. And it took everything I had to not just flat out call him out right there in front of everybody, because at that point it wouldn't have done anything. But I was like, the audacity of this guy. Not only does he take me up for his trade, but then he shows up and badmouths me after eating all our food and taking all the free stuff. And but it was just, you know, I kept telling myself, it's it's just it's the way people are sometimes, you know, that there are just people out there that for whatever reason are not good people. And it seems like in the car business, especially uh-huh. people that in the world are good people you know they'll they'll give a dollar to a homeless guy on the street they go to services on the weekend they contribute to chair all these good things you know they're just honest to goodness people when they cross the curb going on to a dealership property they like suspend their morals they suspend their values mm-hmm. because they think well this guy is a car dealer he's a piece of shit he's going to try to take one over on me so i better try to pull one over on him first you know it they allow themselves to act in a way at a car dealership that they wouldn't normally out in the world. Not everybody, don't get me wrong. Uh, no, no. See, there you are trying to be nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because if it was an isolated circumstance, that would be fine. But when you have that happen or something time and time again, <laughs> over and over and over, the, the giving them the benefit of the doubt chips away and then eventually you end up where I am which is yeah <laughs> there yeah yeah we had okay so since you shared a story I'll share you one share with one uh and this involved not only the the piece of shit customer but the fucking idiot sales manager that sold the car quote unquote uh I'll never forget the customer's name. I probably shouldn't even say it, but I, I know the customer's name. I remember names uh, from things that went really bad, <laughs> okay? And uh, for whatever reason. And in this case, um, yeah, uh, the sales manager said, oh, you know, we're gonna sell this guy a car. He's really a ghost online. He's not, you know, his, his bureau doesn't read well. And I'm like, okay, well, um, you know, whatever you do, we need to have a, we need to have a cashier's check for, when it's back when it was a check and not he he was he the the customer was pretending that he was wealthy and he was in the porn industry and he was just so wealthy that he could just write a check for a car so the um genius sales manager um went in and uh believed what the guy said after i had said you know no we have to get a cashier's check and then i want to verify the cashier's check because why? Because Kathy's been through it quite a few times. Okay. <laughs> it isn't just because I'm suspicious and cynical. No. So, um, so sure enough, uh, he does the exact thing I say not to do, the manager. And about a week later, here comes the bouncy check. And I'm like, and I didn't know any of this until I see the bouncy check come in the mail. And I'm like, motherfucker, right? <laughs> and um so not only had he done that and he was out driving the car, so it's time to, you, you know, the check was bad. It was, that uh, was basically the guy was, I don't know if it was a, he was trying to like be like identity theft or fake ID per se. I think it was probably just somebody he was trying to just con people. 
And uh, there'd been a couple inquiries, I remember, on his bureau. And I'm like, hmm, so that's that's suspect. So anyway, so um, not only did he do write a check for that, but he wrote a check for uh, the next day. He came back, the customer, and wrote a check for a LoJack in the service department. I'm like, oh. <laughs> so because it's been a week or so, I'm like, okay, well, time to repo because we're never going to see this car. And I think it was about a week. It might have been 10 days. But uh, so I call the the police in the town that we the dealership was and a lot of dealerships have a first name basis with their police officers sure. and they came down I made a report I told them what would happen all of that and uh, what did happen I'm sorry and then uh, he so the uh, police went back and uh, put it in the system and uh, the next day uh, they found the car because the guy had written these checks and because he got a low jack they just turned the low jack on and they found the car through the low jack so uh and the car was pretty beat up i can say it was a brand new car right and it was pretty beat up i mean it wasn't it wasn't there were like body damage or anything but it was just really beat up something that you know you'd have to spend a few hundred if not more dollars getting back to retail ready so uh, but yeah, so there you are. You've got a piece of shit customer and uh, a sales manager that didn't listen. To see the deal. No, nope, it just wanted the deal. And the deal, just of course, deal. it was a huge gross. Right. It's like, okay. The pounder. Yeah. And I am, believe me, I am the first one to say, let's go for it. Let's, you know, I want as much profit as we can get, but that's enough. No, no. So, yeah. So, Yeah. I get it. Which brings us to today's world where those customers still exist, but with technology, they've even got a more amplified voice. You know, when you look, and, I, and I'm sure you do, but not everybody will look at, you know, dealerships reviews on a on a day-to-day -day basis. You know, there's no reason for them to. Um, usually when you're getting ready to buy a car, you go to the dealership's page. Oh, let's check out the reviews. But just sometimes reading reviews, you can you can spot those customers in the review. Yes. You know, you yeah. can spot a genuine situation that maybe wasn't uh, the, a good situation for the customer. They express themselves. But there's a lot of those that you can just get a sense that the customer is just trying to either get something for free or, you know, get acknowledgement or, you know, and you can just imagine that conversation, them standing in the middle of the showroom. You know, I'm going to go write this in a review. Yes. <laughs> if you don't do this for me, if I don't get these free floor mats or, you know, if you don't, whatever it is. And right. there's there's quite a few of those out there. Yes, there are. Yes, there are. Which, again, reinforces the, I don't know, the idea, the opinions, it, it, uh, that we have about interacting with the public, you know, and it's not to say that there aren't great people out there. There's a ton of them. There's a ton of great customers that we've had over the years. And I spent a lot of time in Beverly Hills and I can tell you like most of the celebrities that would buy cars were just, they couldn't be nicer. And it's just, you know, there's, there's not a lot of, there's, there's not one more of one or the other. It's just comes, you know, you, it comes with the territory, all of it. And I think the majority you know, of the people to... out there are good people, but there's like that 20% that make it difficult to deal yes. with even good people. And if you don't, it can be the difference between, you know, we're like I've said before, we're delivering a vehicle 
sometimes a hundred thousand dollar vehicle to someone on nothing more than a signature in California anyway. And that you have to have a heightened sense of, uh, you know, being able to assess character and integrity. And sometimes they get past you. <laughs> sometimes they do. But that's what we have to, to have. Sometimes they get past even the best of us. Even the best of us. Yes. Yeah. And we learn from it. And, uh, but yeah, so. And that's the car business, you know, and some is as much as it's evolved, some of it will never evolve because at the core you're dealing, it's a people business. It is. That's people, right. There are people that are just going to be people. And they just look you right in the eye and they lie their, their ass off. <laughs> it's just fascinating that they can do it so well. It's yeah. Yeah. But and as we're talking about evolving, you know, I think lately um, I've seen probably the last I'll say two years, and I, I know you've seen it. We've talked about it many times, probably before we've hit the the play button uh, or the record button a lot. We've spent a lot of conversation. The term modern retail, and if you're listening to this on on a on the podcast, you can't see me air quoting modern retail, mm -hmm. but I think it's just been so overused and 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 convoluted, and you really. As a dealer, you know, if I'm sitting in a dealership position and I'm looking at the term modern retail, the first thing I'm thinking think to myself is, what does that mean? You know, define that. And I don't think anyone really can. Mm -mm. I know it's being used in marketing from it's a lot of vendors. Term. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of vendors using, oh, you know, we, we can help you with modern retail. Okay, well, define modern retail. What <laughs> It's retail. That's all. Yes. It, it, it's just retail. The factory wants dealers to to you know, get on board with modern retail. What does that mean? It, it it really can't be defined by any of the people that you start pressing. They just had a conference in Florida, the Modern Retail Conference. Mm -hmm. And there was a lot of sessions that you know I, I've, I've gotten a lot of, or seen a lot of feedback on, but really none of it defined what this term modern retail is. And, and not that I can, but I think my personal interpretation or impression is, you know, modern retail is nothing more than simply as a dealership allowing the consumers to buy a car the way they want rather than forcing them to buy a car the way we want and for generations the car business has been really really good about dictating how a customer buys a car and that buys a car the way it serves us as a dealer profit wise you know process wise here's how you buy a car consumers and I think we've gotten to a point where the consumers are like, no, I, I may not want to buy a car like that. I want to buy, I want to have options. I want to have, you know, more available to me. I want some transparency. And, and I've said it a thousand times when a GM hears the word transparency, they, they freak out. They get afraid because they lose control, or at least they think they're going to. And it's not about showing a customer the invoice because the customer really doesn't give a shit about that. They really don't when it comes down to it. They just want to be more involved with the process. They want to feel comfortable about what's going on. They want to know what's happening. What's my next step? What's going on? Why is this doing like this? Why isn't it like this? Car people all across the country are celebrating the collapse of Carvana. But mm -hmm. the bottom line, it's never been about how many cars they sold because I never thought they were going to take over the industry. Mm -hmm. They did disrupt the perception of an industry though. Yeah, They did a great job of mm -hmm. preying on that consumer fear and distrust of dealerships 
which, you know, they just picked up the torch from, and I'll say it out loud, True Car, mm-hmm. who in their infancy capitalized on that. You know, they were putting it out there, literally, hey, Mr. Customer, dealerships are out to screw you. We are your friend. You can trust us. Yeah. We will work with the dealership on your behalf because you can't trust them. They're bad. They're evil people. Credit unions do the same thing. Most credit unions that have their own in-house buying services, they tell their customers, you know, their members, don't trust the dealerships. You don't want to go in there unarmed. They're they're evil. It's the devil incarnate in there. They will hose you every way they can. Trust us. And I've worked with many a buying program that, you know, will grind me down to, you know, $300 under invoice. But then when I see the paperwork come back, they nailed them for this, you know, aftermarket warranty that's not as good as the paper it's written on for four grand and their their own alarm system, you know, yeah. for $7.95 and their own wax and, and paint treatment for $9.95. They're doing the same things that, that they're saying the dealerships are going to do, but they've got the consumer's trust, right? Folks, we got the, the price down to this. Now, let me tell you how to protect your investment with these products over here. <laughs> You know, so it's the same process, right? But they're capitalizing on that fear. And and Carvana now has disrupted perception of the buying process to the point where I think our industry needs to just acknowledge that people are all different. There's going to be people that want to conduct a transaction completely online. Okay. There's going to be people that want to go to a certain point and do the research, maybe get an approval for a loan, maybe, you know, figure out pricing and just want to get to the dealership to, to finalize, you know, have the car ready. There it is. I like it. Let me drive it. Yes. It's everything I thought. Now the payments I have are this, this, and this, but what dealerships in general, what we do as car people, right? We back them all the way up. Mm-hmm. I understand what research you've done. Yeah. Let's throw that to the side. You're going to do it the way I say to do it. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to start from the very beginning. Here's the price. We're going to go back and forth on the price. Here's the down payment. We're going to go back and forth. Here's what your payments should be. I know what you think they are, but here's what they should be. $750. Where'd you get that from? It should be $995, you know? And then the customers feel like, why did I do all this work online if you're just going to start me from the very beginning? You know, I think as a culture, we got to be better at recognizing where the customer is in the buying process. And meeting them at that point, mm-hmm. holding their hand and guiding them to the finish line from there, rather than holding their hand and dragging them back to the beginning of the, the process. Well, it all comes and, from, it comes from a need to control. I get, we all have a need to control things because we want it to come out the way we want it to come out. And the way we do that is we think we can control all of that. <clears throat> but controlling a customer these days isn't isn't good it's just not a uh, you can still control things quote unquote but if you do it in a way that makes them happy and it, it makes it an easier transaction then i just feel like treating them better <clears throat> is going to be able to make the sale easier and instead of it being adversarial right i think you're right adversarial is the key it doesn't have to be uh, us against them right we're in this together we both benefit if you buy the car I mean, if you don't, I'm standing here all day with no income. Okay, the only way for me to make an income is for you to drive across that curb in that new car. So we're in this together. Yeah. And we want it to be a good experience for everyone. And But the, all that takes training and awareness and 
motivating in the right way. And, and a lot of the, you know, management has not made that transition to the quote unquote modern <laughs> retail. Right. It's yeah. Which is, but, I think makes it so funny because, you know, we're all these outside agencies are preaching modern retail and, you know, meeting the customer at the, at their plate. But in the last two years, I, I've told you before, it's been incredible how fast like these old bad habits and old lingo yeah. from when I was in the business, late eighties, early nineties, as a salesperson, yeah. just dropped right back into the car business in people that weren't even alive then, you know, I'm hearing young salespeople talk about what a jack the customer was. And, you know, right. they're just a weak sock. And, you know, if you don't like the deal, put an egg in your shoe and beat it, sir. Cause I got customers out here that want to buy a car, you know, what the, how yeah. did we get there that quickly? You know, it's, $15,000 markup, a customer wants to negotiate and they're like, no, if you don't like that deal, see ya. I got customers standing outside waiting for the opportunity to buy this car. So, you know, we just went backwards two decades and now we've got to not only get back to where we were before, but try to evolve into a, a modern and again, the word modern is modern is a marketing term, dude. It marketing works, man. Marketing propaganda works. I was just uh, looking at some really weird looking horse treats that I think someone sent us. And it's made from a company that is well known in the horse treat industry. And it is uh, a large company, I think probably some, you know, corporation. And they're very weird looking. They look like um, they look like cookies, I guess, uh, little fat cookies. Uh, but they're, it was red. It's red color. And I'm like, oh, and they're called, they're apple treats, right? And so, okay. So I'm like, hmm, what does that exactly mean, an apple treat, right? And then look, I look on the side and um, I think it has beets in it too, which maybe be why it, they're red color, but it's not the, it's not the color of beets. It's like this bright orangey red. So I look on the side of the ingredients and the first two ingredients are uh, wheat and corn. It's like okay, no apple. <laughs> wheat and corn in in what's being marketed to me on the package as apple and beet treats. It works, dude. It works because most people, all of us, are subjected to marketing messages and marketing every single day, all day, all day, every day. Yep. And you really have to be, especially now more than ever, you have to be really diligent about what you what you uh believe is is something it i mean it might not be what you think and uh and so it's same with this more modern dealer stuff modern you know and same thing with you know we've talked about this before when some people are talking about social selling and it's not it's not social selling is not dealership facebook marketing it's not running facebook ads at all i was just um in fact, look, what was I doing? I was looking, researching, because I'm always writing a blog or something else. And I was researching about things. That, oh, I was just, I know what it was. I was checking my broken links on my website. There's a little uh, broken link checker. So uh, it, sent, it brings them up every month I do it. And so I look uh, and it sends me to a blog post that I wrote in 2014. And it's about social selling. And I'm like, oh my God, I've been writing about it since then. And I look back and it's like, even went back to 13. And it's still been this, you know, developing your own network, building rapport, sharing relevant content as a person. Yes, you can do it as an organization, but as a person. Right. Uh, so as building to that online organize. community. Yeah. Real, keeping them educated, informed, entertained so that yeah. when they are ready to buy a car, it's not 
as much, you know, when is where. Everybody's different. So they already know you. They trust you. They like you. So that part is established. They're going to come to see you. Yeah. So, I mean, I've been talking about this for almost 10 years now, right? I know. And, uh, you know, the fact that I, I built the, the, the course uh, on it and uh, that I'm doing a pilot course now with a few people. And, but I just find it fascinating that there's always a new marketing term <laughs> to sell new spin. to new spin new new way to sell whatever to a car dealer and honestly the word as a writer the word modern is very aspirational you want to be modern so modern retail yeah i want to be modern and so i will buy that and that not I'll pay this vendor to help me get into modern retailing. I don't know what that means and I don't know what that looks like, but they say if I give they them X dollars a month, they'll get in, uh, uh, open the door into modern retailing. Yes. Yeah. So, and that'll make my factory rep happy because he knows that, you know, he's uh -huh. been pushing me to get into modern retail. So I can show him, hey, I'm paying this vendor over here for modern retail. Now yeah. everybody's happy. Yeah. And then the vendor starts talking about modern retail to their next their next stop at, or the next day. And it just spreads like wildfire. And meanwhile, don't let me don't get me wrong. There could be a very good uh, uh, solution that's out there that has the word modern in it. it there may be. But <laughs> having been around a while, we know that, you know, there's a lot of riffraff and it's just be careful. A lot of it's just repackaged stuff that's been around yes. since the beginning of time. But now it's going to help you in modern retail. Yeah. Yep. Before it was going to help you in social selling. Before that, it was going to help you get leads. Yep. <laughs> yep. And then before that, it was social media, quote unquote. <laughs> so, yeah, we're just repackaging stuff. Tell me about your video stuff. How's that going for you? That's always interesting to to check in on. Oh, the uh, okay. So that's the you're talking about the Facebook page with for the yeah. Uh, I just pulled back on doing a lot of. Uh, like trying to do video i'm first of all it starts with i'm not a videographer i don't really enjoy it um i prefer to take photos and so and so those of you that are out there thinking about social selling this is a good point <laughs> if you don't want to take videos don't do it take a photo if you don't like taking photos do a video if you don't like either of those write something um, there's a, a many ways to express yourself. So I didn't, so I'm not pushing myself anymore. And so I am taking videos still. And when the videos are, uh, when I publish them, they do get more, if they're in that criteria of short form, minute, minute and a half, uh, they are getting more attention, um, than the other content. So in other words, posts with links in them or images or that type of thing, um, but I've noticed that it is not as prevalent. Uh, and again, this goes back to when I was, I would say that that Facebook page is kind of the bellwether for me to see when Facebook is shifting and changing and trying different things. It's not getting as much, the video isn't getting as much attention. Um, what is helpful is that we have um, had a couple of horses that need homes and that seems to be getting good attention um, and they're images they're not video so that that gives me a little bit of a ray of hope but um, good, good. Uh, our numbers are i mean we were up to 14 million i think uh reach in in a month and it's down to probably i think maybe three or four million 
um, which is still a lot. And um, again, it comes with the, the other stuff, the weird right. comments and the weird spammy, the weird uh, DMs, the weird, because it's on Instagram too. So um, I'm, I'm happily, um, a, I'm happily not doing the, the video as much just because I just, we don't need that kind of attention. Right. Um, and, it, and it becomes kind of a vanity matrix. You know, it's yes, nice it to, yes. to sit back and go, oh, wow, 14 million people. Yeah. But is it is it helping you with, you know, people going to the website and sponsoring the horses and right. driving the, the income that helps keep a nonprofit in existence? And if not, then, you know, what, where's the value there? Yeah, the only person making out on that is Facebook, because if you get your your up, you know, if you get your reach up to 14 million and, and I think our engagement was like seven or eight million, that just makes Facebook happy because it means that more people are on their platform and they like to have yeah. that because then they can serve ads. Right. So um, but in the end, it does nothing for us. It does. I mean, I think we got two or three maybe sponsors, maybe from one one person from Quebec, Canada, and then a gal wanted um, to volunteer somehow, but she lives in Japan. So it's, you know, but for the most part, those of us, you know, that are involved in all in the horse rescue are not paid. We're all volunteers. And so I have to, if I, if it was my job to do all of that, then I would, I would probably try to capitalize more on that concept, or maybe just try to work with out of the country type of people but for the most part you know most of our donors are local they they know us they've been out to the rescue you know we have open houses and tours and things like that so uh it's just it's just always remember i think the moral of the story is always remember what your goal is and is that is what you're doing getting is it getting that goal for is it getting you closer to that goal and if not there's probably a better use of your time. Yeah. Yep. Excellent. Good advice. Good advice. I used to actually, uh, I, I had written down the phrase, is what I'm doing the most beneficial thing possible right now? And I used to keep that on a business card and I'd keep it in my pocket. And there'd be times when I'd be jacking around, you know, having fun with other salespeople, making jokes and stuff. And for whatever reason, I'd pull that out and I'd say, you know what? This is not the best use of my time. And that kept me, somewhat you know i still messed around i'm not going to say i was perfect i i spent a lot of time jerking around on the lot as a salesperson <laughs> but part of that was it helped me get an edge on the other guys because if i could keep them laughing and my focus was still on the street i was still going to spot the car pulling in you know and be able to call it and everybody's like oh you son of a bitch you know <laughs> i was really really good at keeping everybody laughing but when i became in management i used to tell you know, people that I really was trying to to help get to that next level, I'd say, hey, take out your card, write this down. Am I doing the most productive thing possible right this minute? And put that in your pocket. And I want you to pull it out three or four times a day and just look at it. And pretty soon you'll build your, your habits around trying to be the most productive that you can. And, and that's the same today, whether, you know, if I'm on the line as a salesperson and I'm trying to build a community, standing there waiting for a customer isn't productive, Right. There's something I could be doing with my time and still be ready for a customer that pulls on the lot, you know, so maybe it's sharing some views of car dealership life. Maybe it's a new vehicle that just hit the ground, taking a quick video. There's, there's just stuff that we can be producing content wise that will help us get to that goal of selling a car at some point. Yeah. Good advice as always. Yeah. Thanks. All right. Let's shift it up a little bit. Uh, we're, not going to run too far over, but we usually run a little over. That's okay. There's no law that says we have to 
make it anything but our own, right? It's our show, yes. damn it. So in the year that we've been doing this, we talk a lot about early 80s, late 70s, early 80s punk scene here in LA because you and I were both knee deep in that scene. That's who kind of we both are. Mm-hmm. We identify with that whole scene. But admittedly, we both listen to music outside of that scene. Mm-hmm. And yesterday I sent you a um, an Instagram post from a band that I, I was thinking about it last night. You know, if, if someone was to know me, either from this podcast or just in general, they know I'm a huge punk and, and new wave fan, you know, K-Rock of the early 80s. But as a typical Gemini, the other half of me is also that early 80s LA hairband heavy metal scene. You know, I'm, I'm a huge Dio, Quiet Riot, you know, so those two would be kind of expected. But if I was to tell someone that I'm also a huge fan of a band called Everything But The Girl, if you've ever heard any of their music, I think that would probably be like, what (laughs) you know and and i think all of us have those bands that we just really really like that don't necessarily fit into the the genres of music that we tend to listen to most like when i'm working during the day i have channels set up um with my uh alexa device that will play early 80s you know alternative music all day every day because it's it's comfortable to me i like to work to it but if someone was to hear that I really, really, I've seen everything but the girls six times in concert. Um, I Back when, you know, CDs were a thing, I have all their albums. They're just a really awesome band, but they're so far out of my typical listening tastes. But it's kind of like I, I get to feel like an adult when I listen to everything but the girls. <laughs> they're adult contemporary, kind of jazzy. I mean, Ben Watt and Tracy Thorne to me are just phenomenal. But it's it's one of those things that not everybody would get. And and we were talking earlier, as much as I've known you, I didn't realize how much of a Beastie Boys fan you are. And that wouldn't necessarily be something that's in that that genre that we talk about mm-hmm. so much. Mm-mm. Yeah, that's same same here. I think people who know me know probably that I, I'm not much of a like I don't choose by genre anyway, which makes it hard when you're you've got a subscription to True. a music a streaming company because they want to know genre and i'm like i don't i don't care i go for <laughs> I just like artist. what i like <laughs> it's just the artist what is the artist like who are they i think it comes from my days of uh, i was an art history major and i studied um uh impressionism and all kinds but especially i want i really focused on a lot of my work around impressionism van gogh monet Gauguin, and so you get to know the people right <clears throat> so um but that said you know yeah yeah I I friggin love the Beastie Boys I love everything about them (coughs) pardon me um the uh yeah there's a documentary about the Beastie Boys that uh just I've watched it a few times because it just you know anybody who knows Beastie Boys Adam Yogg passed away a few years ago from cancer and the two guys that are left they did a it's a live on stage show basically uh with multimedia uh, and with a live audience in like a large venue, probably something like Pantages Theater or something like that. And um, they just go through the history of, you know, what they, how they became who they are. And it made me just love them even more because I just, I dig them so much. And uh, I had uh, not thought to, in all the documentaries, I'm always, now that, you know, you and I have 
gotten to this place where you've gotten me hooked on documentaries. I had not thought about them for looking at a documentary. So that's super cool that you mentioned that because now I know what I'm going to go look for. I mean, those guys are honestly, they're geniuses and they are pioneers. If, if Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. You know, they were, our, I mean, I just, I can't even, it's, it's just amazing that, that, that we got to be around when they were around, when they're around. So um, yeah, it's, and if you, even somebody that doesn't necessarily like Beastie Boys, they have like, because there are people that have opinions about them, even though they don't really know anything about them, right? Because they think they're rabble rousers or troublemakers or I don't know, whatever. But if you watch that documentary, you will you will see a whole different side and you will understand. Um, and I think it's called Beastie Boys Story, I think. Uh, but I'll put a link to Make it. Make sure the link gets put in our notes because I will be clicking it myself. Yeah, it's on Apple Plus, but I think you can get it elsewhere if you're not on Apple Plus. So, excellent. Yeah, there you are. Well, see, we got we got some good automotive stuff taken care of. We shared some good music, and we figured out a way to insert a documentary that we think other people should watch. So we covered all our bases. <laughs> we did, <laughs> and we're we're coming up on my hard stop uh, to use a, a a Zoom call term. So we're going to have to to wrap it kind of quickly. Um, but thank you for listening in. We appreciate you you tuning in and and following along with us. We hope you got a laugh. We hope you thought about some stuff. And if you've got something you want us to talk about or want to talk about with us, please let us know. Uh, we'd love to hear from you, especially if you're at a dealership right now, slugging away, trying to make things happen in this crazy world we're living in. We want to, we want to hear about it. We want to know what's going on. So reach out to us and let us know. Kathy, I'll let you take it from here. Yeah. And our uh, emails are in the show notes. So please feel free to email us or we're on pretty much every social media channel there is so you can always contact us there even sticking around on twitter till it finally goes away yeah well maybe he's gonna find a ceo that's gonna be able to resurrect <laughs> it, i hope because it is it's not good but uh yeah so all right well yeah please do we love uh, to talk to car people because we are car people so uh um, we'll see you next time and bye for now <laughs>